Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. It's kind of second rate. How many of you have ever had, and I mean really done the way it should be done, which is to say marinated on a back porch for about a week until things begin to happen, marinated in rare spices and herbs of the Orient and rare elixirs? How many of you have ever had... Oh, I, I, I get all nervous even when I think of the, just the word. pfeffer. I'll let that soak in, marinate for a minute. Well, tonight I had hot... I think one day, when it's finally discovered, you know, when, when the authorities discover what Hassenpfeffer does to people, it will be illegal. I mean, you know, like pot and other great <laughs> discoveries of the human mind. Well, I had this Hassenpfeffer tonight, and I sat there for a minute, and I just stared at the ceiling. And uh, I knew that moment, that moment that they often discuss in... Oriental religions. That moment of, um, well, it's called many things. Uh, it's uh, it's that moment of uh, kismet. <laughs> I have contacted the infinite. And uh, there's this place, it's not a tour, it's on 44th Street. Some night later, and they only serve Hassenpfeffer about one month out of the year. It's served right around the first of the year, from around December 15th, to about February 15th, right? And it's the only place I know of, and they only make it in small quantities because of the nature of the dish. Do you know what is it, Hassenpfeffer? Well, friend, it ain't meatloaf. Let's just put it that way. It comes in a casserole with this magnificent sauce with the spices floating in it. 
like a cloves and uh, and the cl- and uh, these little round ones. What are those round ones? Allspice, floating around there, bobbing up and down, and bay leaves. <laughs> Ach du lieber! Oh. This place is on 44th Street. Now I'm going to give you a tip. I'm, there's no commercial involved here. It's but I'm serious. It's not a commercial. It's and I and I pay for my food there. It's between. In case you're interested, I'm just passing along. It's between Sixth and Seventh, right off of Times Square. Actually, between Broadway and Sixth. Not Times Square, Sixth and Seventh. You know, on Forty Fourth Street, and it's a German restaurant called the Blue Ribbon. And you go in there sometime. They're not. They're not on the show. You go in there sometime, and you order Haas and Pfeffer. You better do it quick. It is fantastic. You better be prepared, though. Because I've known people, when they've encountered the real stuff, real Haas and Pfeffer, who arrive on the verge of, uh, have you ever heard the expression of uh, hysterical euphoria? Which means I've seen, I've seen grown men knock over tables, knock the, fer- knock the ferns over just out of pure excitement, lie on the floor and squeal. It's um, <laughs> it's terrible, and you get yourself you get yourself a nice half bottle of of white light German Rhine wine with that Hassenpfeffer, and you just don't care. I mean, it can bomb all. That reminds me, we got a real commercial here now. It's a real one. If you'd like another interesting food experience, and I mean it, Mandarin House right now this time of the year is celebrating their Chinese New Year, and they have this traditional ten course New Year banquet Mandarin style. And you, you can understand why the mandarins were run out of China when, uh, <laughs> when you eat this mandarin food. Here's your chance to enjoy this big uh, New Year's tradition. It's, uh, every year, every New Year, Chinese New Year, they have a different feast that's traditional. It goes back thousands of years. And uh, this is the year of the Green Bay Packer linemen. Now, what is it? They name them after animals. It's a... Uh, uh, <laughs> this, all right, I'll find, this is this this is the year four thousand six hundred and sixty-six in the Chinese lunar calendar, New Year type, and uh, this is the year of the. Uh, it is not the year of the goat. The year of the monkey, the cockroach. Someone wrote me. Well, every year is the year of the cockroach. However, uh, this is the year of the monkey, and if you would like to enjoy this feast. And they have to they have they have to set down a few guidelines because you have to call them a day in advance because it takes 24 hours to fix this. So you give them a call at uh, well here's the address the number call them at Watkins nine o five five one and they'll give you the dope. Now the two Mandarin houses one is on 13th Street in the Village, right off uh, well it's between Sixth and Seventh, and the other's on Second Avenue just north of 57th Street between 57th and 58th. Mandarin House East and Mandarin House. And the number is Watkins 90551. And don't ask them for Hassan Pfeffer, please. <laughs> I could see them Hassan Pfeffer with lychee nuts. However, this is, uh, that reminds me, this is WOR from lychee nuts. This is WOR, and uh, we're, this, we're your concern. This is your John Gambling Station here. And we're in the happy town here, old Funsville. Or half the city council looks like it's going to wind up in the slam. So would you please hit the button? Our Miller High Life can became jealous of our bottle. It was a matter of color, really. There was our world-famous crystal clear bottle with all that golden, gleaming Miller High Life showing through. There was the bottle, so inviting, appetizing, and downright distinctive. Well, our can developed what you might call a guilt complex. 
You understand, everyone liked the can, but it was hardly descriptive of the hearty, robust flavor of Miller High Life beer. So when this jealousy thing cropped up, the brewers of Miller High Life created Champagne Gold. Now the can is happy. Looks great in Champagne Gold. The next time you shop, remember to pick up Miller High Life in Champagne Golden Cans. Very distinctive. Cold, bold, gold. We're kind of proud that Miller's the only one able to put the champagne of bottled beer in cans. Uh, pardon, gold cans. From the Miller Brewing Company, Milwaukee. Nobody knows you when you're down and out. la da da tee tee ta da ta 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 da tee la da da tee tee ta da ta 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 Oh, oh, yes. Oh, oh, listen, I got to, this is Monday. Got to get a few things out of the way. To begin with, I want to tell you this. We had a night at the Raritan Valley Hospital. At Middles- well, actually, the show was held in the Middlesex High School Auditorium. There was one of the one of these things, you know, to tell whether you're, whether you're potted in the uh, local jug, you know, if you've been driving. And he took it on. And his name is Jack Dempsey. Our hero, and I'm quoting from the local New Orleans paper, our hero, ever ready to help science, agreed to have a few drinks to check the new $1,595 photoelectric device used to determine whether a suspect has had one or more too many. The opening round of the nine-hour battle was cautious. Dempsey ingested two glasses of beer at a local bar. He brought along a can of beer in case he had to wait a bit, and sure enough, he did, so he knocked down three beers. But when the reporter for the state's item, New Orleans newspaper wheezed into the machine. You know, they make you breathe into this thing. He wheezed into the machine. They waited. The meters clicked. The little arms went all over the place and wrote stuff on those scrolls. You know how they do in those machines. And when the answer came back, it said he had not had a drink in weeks. Back to the bar he went. Five strong whiskey highballs. He came back and wheezed into the machine. And it still said zero. Back to the bar. He had eight martinis. Now count that up, friends. Three beers, five whiskey highballs, eight martinis. He came back and breathed into the machine. And the machine said, stone sober. Testing officer Aloysius Highburst sought out an inmate of the drunk tank whose breath could scale paint at six paces. He agreed to give it a try. The meter read 1.5 indicating slight intoxication. And everything's working pretty good. So he said to the reporter, you're just not drunk yet. Go out and have a few more drinks. We'll see how it's working. Well, sir, several hours and 11 drinks later. Now, remember, friends, he had eight martinis, five whiskey highballs, three beers, and now he had 11 more drinks. He carefully navigated and having a little trouble on the corners and with high crosswinds. He carefully navigated back to the testing room and was helped into the seat by by his assistant. He wheezed into the machine. Zero. Stone sober. The police all sat around and smoked their cigars and looked at the books and at the bars on the wall. And then they put reporter Dempsey back in a taxi cab and sent him home. And later on, a police reporter, a police spokesman said the reason it didn't work was because Dempsey was a newspaper man. 
Jesus newspaper men are not fit subjects as to tell whether a guy's drunk or not. <laughs> All right, hold on there. I think we got this this victim in there. Hello, wait here. Let's see if he's there. Yeah, hello there. Yeah. Oh, yeah, well, that uh, you were one of those guys that gave me that propeller? Yeah, you yeah you were the tall, skinny guy. How'd that show go? Wasn't that a wild show there? Uh, is he on the air there? Oh, sticky out, yeah. Uh, listen, uh, hello, hello. Yeah, yeah you, I'm here. You, you still there? Oh, of course, I hang in there. How'd that show go? Oh, you should do that more often. You ought to come back again. That was a wild show, wasn't it? What? That was a wild show, wasn't oh, it? Oh, yeah. You know, I especially liked it when those two MDs got into a fist fight in the back there. Oh, yeah. And the police took them out, yeah, and that old lady hey, fainted, yeah. Hey, remember your uh, Saturday night program? Yeah. The little flute? Uh, oh, yeah. that drove me crazy. <laughs> you like that? Oh, that was beautiful. Well, you know, we have not heard. You know, it's what. You know what's so interesting about that that uh, experiment we did Saturday night with that uh, with that Dyak death flute. Do you know that since that night, our rating, according to uh, rating services, dropped over seventy four points, and there was widespread absenteeism in all the schools throughout the New Jersey, New York, Connecticut area. Mysterious, yeah. Oh, wow. Well, the kids were dropping like flies. Oh, I can imagine that. It was just yeah. a terrible thing. Did anything happen to you on that? Oh, I just went crazy. Yeah? Well, any any of your hamsters around there die or anything? No, but I know it's one of the cats went wild. Ah, well, all right. I, I wouldn't put too much dough on that cat uh, next week. I it was a male, too. Yeah, 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 right in the fighting age, huh? That's right. <laughs> okay, man, that was a beautiful prop. Yeah. Stearman, huh? Yeah, it was beautiful. Yeah. I Refinish it, it was all cruddy. Oh, it's just... Where'd you get it? I got it off a friend of mine. I, you know, I'm an airplane nut, too, and I turned around in his house, and Brad is this thing staring at me. And uh, I said, hey, can I have it? He said, sure, take it. Well, it's it's beautiful. That, uh, you know, I, I thre already threatened the head of the sales department with it. Yeah? Yeah, I won't tell you how. Oh. Okay? Okay. All right, hang in, man. Oh. <laughs> what a night that was, I'll tell you. You know, uh, speaking of, of great nights, uh, and this guy trying the, t the drunk meter, uh, I don't know whether that 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 uh, that view of mankind uh, amuses you as much as it does me. But I saw I saw an incident exactly like that happen that that did not have much to do with the pro side of life. Did you hear this story? Here's another one that came out. Speaking of man's battle against the machine, this came out of Reno, and uh, I quote. Well, I get in front of a couple of machines, and I feed, and I pull, and I feed, and I pull, and I get a kind of a rhythm going. The faster you play, the more you get. And the first thing you know, you got a brassiere stuffed with currency and a set of shin guards made out of C-notes. That's the end of the quote. <laughs> now, there is dialogue, friends, that, that, that Damon Runyon could never have conceivably written. Now, that's the real thing. I'm going to read this dialogue. You know, uh, I, I go to a lot of movies and plays, and I do a lot of writing myself, and people always talk about dialogue. And I say this. I feel that dialogue is my personal feeling as a writer here. I feel that dialogue says more about people than any amount of descriptive work you can do about those same people. And any attempt, because I think speech and the way people use speech really is the final statement about themselves, about the place they came from, the world they grew out of. How many times have you seen somebody use speech so carefully, so uh, 
with such a great importance placed on correct usage. And you know these people have come out of a very shaky background, and they're trying to cover up. They usually think it's the other way. Every time I get, I get a letter from somebody who complains about a word that I mispronounced, <laughs> or I use, I use the, wrong, the wrong syntax, I look very carefully, and I notice somewhere, someplace, there is a telltale thumb smudge that, that, that shows something very interesting about this person. In fact, I remember uh, one of the first things that I, I noticed about being around people who have been born to the purple. I mean, really born to the purple. I'm talking about people who have no doubt about where they stand. And if they wanted to, I mean, if they really got bugged, if they wanted to, they could fire the world. You know, that kind of people. They could just do away with Ohio if, they, if, if, if it offended them. Well, the, one of the first things I noticed about these people is the atrocious use of English language because they don't have to worry. They just lay it out. And so they use, they use words that in the, uh, I suppose you might say, the rising mobile middle-class world where people are attempting to rise uh, words which they would completely ignore, like ain't. Ain't is used constantly in the top echelons. Ain't that a shame, Charlie? And it turns out that this is a man who is a Rhodes Scholar and his father owns Oxford. Uh, <laughs> and and four-letter words? Oh, let me tell you, friends, I learned some four-letter words in the higher echelon that even Chaucer would have worried about using. They were beyond the pale, so to speak. But listen to this beautiful, this, this magnificent statement. I'm going to read it to you just the way it was written. I get in front of a couple of machines, and I feed, and I pull, and feed, and pull, and get a rhythm going. The faster you play, the more you get. And the first thing you know, you got a brassiere stuffed with currency and a set of shin guards made out of C-notes. A set of shin guards made out of C-notes. You do, and I go on now, you do, that is, if you're Mrs. Ann Clark, who tackled the new $5 slot machines in Harold's Club in Reno with a $20 stake and staggered away 10 hours later, get this, friends, with a cool $13,750. Do you realize how many times you've got to pull the big handle on a slot machine to walk away with 13750 bucks? She had a she had a shin guard made out of C notes. Now I'm going to continue with her dialogue. After I get my brassiere full, I stuffed one hundred dollar bills into the tops of my stockings until they were running down my legs. <laughs> I mean that's a way to describe it. She said, "Has anyone?" I'm reading the article here now. As anybody with gambling experience knows, you can't beat the house percentage playing the slot machines. But you cannot prove that by Mrs. Clark. She says she has been bucking the one-armed bandits at Harold's Club with consistent success since 1963 and has the bucks to prove it. Mrs. Clark, who runs a dress shop in Vancouver, British Columbia, told an interviewer, I've got $12,000 worth of Harold Club money in a bank at home marked Reno money. I usually carry $2,000 down here with me, and I only play with what I come down with. The rest is in safe deposit, and I can't get to it. Mrs. Clark says she plays Harold's Club about four times a year. She started in 1963 after surviving an illness which required three operations. Health restored, quote, I decided I'd do something silly. I thought I'd come to Reno and gamble. Mrs. Clark said she left Reno 
the first time with a profit of 560 bucks. She made another $3,900 in the spring of 1964, clipped the machines for $4,900 a few months later, and cleared $3,300 on a two-day Christmas visit. She said that she had a losing year in 65. She lost $1,700 in one year. So she has run her original $20 investment into 450 bucks with small winnings, then hit jackpots, listen, jackpots of and then simultaneously 750 bucks jackpots on each of two machines pulled simultaneously. Oh, 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 what a maniac. (laughs) Uh, She poo-pooed cynical suggestions that the club had softened up the newly introduced $5 machines on the theory that a big killing was good advertising. What do you mean? I'm just lucky, she said. Hmm. (laughs) Mrs. Clark says she turned to dressmaking after a professional stage career, which included a stint as a a Ziegfeld Follies girl in New York. Uh, She says, quote, My age? Well, oh, hell, I'm 63, but put it down in the late 50s, she said, and she left, wearing her shin guards made out of sea notes. Well, let me tell you, you know, this this lady here sounds like, you know, pure fiction. But when I when I thought of Mrs. Clark, I remember, um, I, I suppose this is one of the advantages of coming from a neighborhood where almost everybody knows everybody else. But we had a lady in our neighborhood who uh, was the gambling lady in the neighborhood. And uh, she wore dresses. I can remember my mother peeking out between two... Uh, ecru-colored curtains, you know, those curtains, those lace curtains that hang down in the front, you know, that smell, that peculiar musty smell that they got. And my mother looking out, and there she goes down the street, this lady, and she wore these tight dresses that were so tight you could hear her thrumming. And for blocks away, you could just hear, you know, she... There's a certain kind of a fat lady who thinks she looks thin if she wears very, very tight dresses. And as a matter of fact, what it generally does to most fat ladies, it makes them look like a Hebrew national salami with feet. And uh, <laughs> she's going down the street there, and she has very tight dresses, and, and she, very short. She always wears them very short. And uh, her, her son was named Bobby. I remember little Bobby. Bobby was always, you know, he's part of our crowd. We're always out there playing ball and stuff. And I remember my mother saying, there she goes. And Mrs. Bruner peeking out. Which said, oh, she's going to go to hell. Poor Bobby. Poor Mr. Anderson. Well, what Mrs. Anderson did, she took all her winnings and built a chain of restaurants in Florida. She now owns half of the Keys. As far as I know, she has a 67-foot cabin cruiser and is negotiating to buy Venezuela. They're still waiting in the neighborhood for her comeuppance as they go nightly still to the Orpheum to play Kino. Hang loose, gang. Think a few dirty thoughts to keep your mind in condition. Well, you can think of things like, uh, oh, uh, shucks, I can't think of one. Doggone it. That's what happens when you're exposed to the Bobsy twins too early in life. All you can think of, gee, wouldn't it be fun to go to Grandma's house and have some hot chocolate and uh, ride on the sled and throw snowballs? Gee, it would be fun, wouldn't it?